What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tropes and Tirades. I'm your host, Preston Gibson. With me today, I have my friend and fellow creative writer, Tristan Albert. That's me. Whether you're designing a universe for a future D&D campaign, building a story world for a future novel, or just a fan of fantasy, we are here to talk about the numerous tropes that define the genre. Each episode, we'll explore a specific trope and hopefully help you decide whether it's something you want to incorporate into your your, your unique creations. Amen. Alright, in your mind's eye, all right, I want you to picture a wizard. Mm-hmm. The first image that comes to your mind, I want you to give him a little background, you know, flesh him out a little bit, and then describe him. Okay, uh, beard, purple robes, uh, pointy hat. I know it pretty, but I'm not the most original. Um, he does have a, a gnarled staff made of some sort of like white, white wood, uh, some ashy wood with some sort of gemstone at the top. Uh, he lives on a mountain, in a tower on a mountain. Oh. Um, yeah, like really, really, really high up because from there he can watch the dragon aviary. When he gets up in the morning and eats his French breakfast turnips, or radishes, rather, um, he's got a little a wizard garden. Yeah, right. You can have both. Um, and then he's got a little. Uh, he's got a little magical garden um, that kind of runs down the side of the, the mountain a little bit, um, and he goes down and tends it with his magic. He has like magic floating, watering pots. Um, and uh, yeah, he basically, you know, every, every day that's his routine is he gets up and he goes out to his magic garden and he watches the dragons down the dragon air, aviary and uh, basically just a bunch of adventurers show, uh, adventurers, uh, show up at his doorstep asking him to like, I don't know, like cure their cat of leprosy or something, you know, like ridiculous stuff like that or asking him to like teach them fireball spells so that they can like, you know, kill a necromancer or a lich mm-hmm. of some kind. All right. Yeah. Important question. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Alderond. Alderond. Yep, Alderond. His oh, name. I was thinking like Gladimus. Gladimus Digglestick. <laughs> You're way better at wizard names than I am, though, to be fair. To I be am fair. the ancient and wise Gladimus. Gladimus Thiddlestick? Thiddlestick? I've already forgotten. I don't know. Something it doesn't like that. matter. That's a good wizard name, though. But um, yeah, that's that's what I picture. Can I can I open my eyes, or is that? Yes, you can. More? Okay. Yeah, this the trope of this week. I call it ye old wizard, or we can call it old white bastards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so specifically old, I'm guessing robe wearing, beard having, magic loving. Yes, yeah. all of them, in fact, yes, are old and bearded. We will, uh, we're going to start at a, a classic. We're going to start with the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Gandalf. Maybe the, uh, the prototype for bearded old uh, wizard. I would argue that, that Merlin established that archetype. Was Merlin always portrayed as an old man? In like Arthurian, I mean, I'm pretty I'm sure he was pretty young in some of the pretty Arthurian sure, legends. yeah. But who added that? You know, like the classic one is him as a him as an old, old rickety weirdo getting tricked into like. No, that's what I'm asking. Is it in Arthurian legends? Is he always old? 
Because our no, I mean, spent a lot of time. Pretty sure there are some legends of him like growing up, or at least I've read some. I don't know how accurate it is, but or how old they are. I mean, granted, a lot of people were writing those. You know, the Arthurian legends weren't all written by like one guy, written by a lot of people. Some of them not even in England, like Chrétien or whatever. So, but I think there, I think there's, yeah, definitely some, some material out there where he's younger but I think the, his I mean most of course iconic, when we hear Merlin we picture an old man I guess I'm just kind of wondering well, how long that's when all the, the Arthur, like the all the cool and interesting Arthurian stuff is going on he is an old old that's true. bastard yeah yeah okay I'm just making sure that that's accurate because I haven't read a terrible lot of those and all the ones that I read didn't really have didn't really feature Merlin heavily I would say that Gandalf has done a lot for the current image. Oh, for sure. Of a wizard. Mm-hmm. So maybe not the prototype, but certainly the uh, yeah. You know. All right. So I will. Player. I will read a quote from the Fellowship of the Ring. That mm-hmm. is by uh, Tolkien. Gandalf was shorter in stature than the other two. Oh, it's talking about like the wizards. Oh, okay. Which are the Maiar? I think they're called. I don't really remember their names, but isn't it Radagast, Saruman, and Gandalf? Isn't that three? And then there are two more that go to the west. Oh, There's okay. like a blue one and uh, another colored one. Okay, see, I don't know about those ones. No, nobody really knows anything about them because he died before he could write about them. Right, right. But anyway. Uh, but his long white hair, his silver, his sweeping silver beard, and his broad shoulders made him look like some wise king of ancient legend. In his aged face, under great snowy brows, his eyes were set like coals that could suddenly burst into fire. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty standard old man with a certain amount of uh, wisdom and uh, intensity to him. Sure. He's Now, I will say that Gandalf is the only person on the list today that is not, specifically not human. Mm-hmm. Now, most wizards, one could argue, are not human. However, they're human. You know, they're from yeah, like our they're, race. They just have... They just have magic power. Yeah, magical capabilities. In some way, yeah. But Gandalf is specifically like a deity from a different realm that gets sent to Middle-earth. Yeah, like Gandalf is not the same as Aragorn, for example, or any of the other human characters. They well, are in Aragorn is not... Or, uh, Aragorn is not... Like oh, right. Other. Aragorn is also a Dúnedain, too, so yeah. I guess he doesn't even count as a human either. But he's not like, say, Baromir. Yes. Yes. He's a different race entirely. He's alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Also true. But at the end of the first one, you don't know that, right? At the end of the first one, they could both be dead. I'm pretty sure not, but... Doesn't Gandalf come back in the second one? Oh, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, totally different, like, especially because, I, yeah, I, I don't know, Tolkien's races are all very intentionally separate and have, like, very different lore, um, so yeah, Gandalf isn't quite the, he's not on the same level as everyone else, not even remotely. I mean, there's him and, like, five others like him, right? Four others like him? Four others like him. Four there others five, like him. Five, five total, totally, yeah. I think yeah. I- so not at all like any of the other races that the rest of the Fellowship is. And only he, I think, accomplishes what he was sent to Middle-earth to accomplish. Hmm. 
Interesting. Because Saruman goes evil, and I think the two in the West, it's not never like explained, but it we know they fail, and I'm pretty sure they go evil too. Mm-hmm. And then Radagast just he just hangs out, right? He, he likes he likes animals and stuff. Yeah, which is cute, but like, yeah. what was his? Yeah, I don't I don't know what his mission was. He just gets too caught up in his love for the forest. Mm-hmm. As we say, he he goes full elf. But yeah, so Gandalf, very clear uh, depiction of this trope. I mean, it's probably where, you know, I mean, if I was thinking of, I I guess I won't spoil what I'm sure is going to be a later example, but he is one of the two wizards that I picture first when when I was younger anyway. Now I've got some more examples under my belt, but growing up, wizard, Gandalf. Do you want to talk about that next example that's lodged there in your mind? Yeah, I'm pretty sure what it is. Do you want to jump to a unique one and then go to that no let's let's get that one out of the All way right, so we'll, we we'll get that me. bastard out of the way yeah i think uh, this this series will probably come up every time if i'm guessing the right one all right how about you say it out loud uh, dumbledore it is albus, indeed my boy albus albus dumbledore mm-hmm. he doesn't have quite as pointy of a hat Dumbledore was, you know, we were talking about when I was younger and like my first experiences with like wizards and my first like pictures of wizards. Dumbledore and Gandalf were almost interchangeable to me. I to this day I will get their names mixed up sometimes. Yeah. Which is funny because they're like not necessarily similar sounding names. Like they don't even start with the same, you know, consonant, but like they are very similar characters. And similarly, in their movies, really well-acted and, like, well-wrought. Mm-hmm. So, and they have a very similar um, role as well, except, especially in the early movies of Harry Potter. I mean, obviously, later in the Harry Potter series, Dumbledore gets tarnished a little bit he gets in a, a good little, way. Gets a little dirty. Gets yeah. a little gritty. In the best possible way. I mean, I'm glad that that happens because if he was... Like, Gandalf is so pure. It's so awesome. I couldn't do it again. Him and his licorice twisps. <laughs> whatever they're called. But, yeah. I mean, Dumbledore... Very similar. I mean, he's a mentor. He's an old, old, old wizard. He's one of the most powerful wizards that we know of. He's not the same, like, power level as Gandalf, because Gandalf is an extremely overpowered character on purpose. Is he? Okay. We could talk about this, because what does Gandalf do besides know things? I mean, he, he has, like, like he... actual magics at parts, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, he makes a bright light and chases away, like, one of the wave... One of the, like, narval... What are they got? What are they called? The people who ride on the, the one of the nine Nazgul, yeah, Nazgul. Yeah, he chases away Nazgul with light. That's pretty fucking awesome, though. I mean, we kind of for you know that's that's neg- like to say that that isn't impressive is neglecting how overpowered the Nazgul are too. Yeah, but he makes a bright light. Yeah, well, Pippin I mean, and Mary. I mean, the, Pippin, just in general, Pippin the and Mary magic convince like, a bunch of trees to destroy a sorcerers tower and a bunch of orcs and Gandalf shines a light and I should think that that guy's overpowered. I mean, granted... But these hobbits out here doing things. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Ents are pretty powerful too. Also, just like, magic doesn't manifest in Lord of the Rings like it does in Harry Potter. Of course, yeah. You know, like, like at all. Like, magic, like, it's not like people are, like, shooting fireballs and, like, calling down, like, lightning storms and stuff. Like, it's like... 
like Gandalf's also a pretty good swordsman, right? Yes. And he's a he's a swift rider, despite being old as fuck. Well, he's friends with like the king of the the horse king or whatever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but then he's also like yeah, like every all the nobility seem to you know obey or not obey, but like listen know to him. him. Yeah. yeah, know him. He's, I mean, he's super strong, yeah, but, but just like his logistically. Big, his, his biggest power is existing and knowing things and being able mm-hmm. to connect things to, like, what is going on. Mm-hmm. But as magic functions, Gandalf is kind of lackluster. I would say... That's true. I mean, he doesn't do anything flashy. Besides, yeah. like, like Besides, literally flashy, yeah, like a ex- flash of light flashy, but he doesn't do anything like... Fireworks flashy. Yeah, nothing that's, like, super no, no, exciting. No, he does fireworks flashy. Oh. That's his whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but nothing like, you know, nothing like... Um, Fireball or earthquake-esque. Yeah, yeah nothing that's, like, outwardly super exciting and, like, mm-hmm. awe-inspiring. Like, like it's not the kind of magic that we're familiar with now, um, especially with video games and stuff. You know, the kind of the fact, the kind of magic that Gandalf does is not very doesn't really translate into video games very well. He he waves his staff and makes a bloody lump on Saruman's face, and then, <laughs> and then one time he chases the evil out of uh, King Theoden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that stuff, you know, it's it's just. Uh, That's, yeah. My favorite part in all the movies. Yeah, when King Theoden's all like like wrinkled up and all crusty. Yeah, and he's and, like, like eh, eh, basically eh, like Gandalf just you like you have no power here. <laughs> Gandalf, Storm, Crow, and then he's like fucking throws up. We had someone like the full the the light, you know, from his from underneath his cloak, right? Well, yeah, he takes off he his takes gray him. cloak and he's white he's now. Gandalf the white like, now. Oh no! Yeah, that's right. But yeah, again, it's it's a different kind of magic. It's it's still really powerful. I mean, Gandalf is magnitudes more powerful than most other people in the in those stories as far as just like who could take on the most orcs before dying? Who could take on a flame demon? Yeah, a giant flame demon and like fucking fall into the center of the earth with it and not die. That's not going to happen with most characters in that story. Yeah. Um and Dumbledore, on, on, the, on the other hand, I mean, he's... I don't really remember a lot about his magic prowess. I just remember, like, yeah, obviously he's well, really he's good at casting really spells. Well, he's got a really special wand. Which That's is a right. really weird way to undercut somebody's power. Yeah. Is to be like, hey, he's got the wand. High quality wand. But Best I magic believe wand. that he had to beat... Was it Grimwald? I don't remember this part I th- of the story. I think, I think his name's Grimwald. He had to beat him with a normal wand to get that wand, special wand. Nice and then he that. put that guy in prison. Is that how that happened? Yeah, and his sister died in the fight. And Does this happen in really Fantastic sad. Beasts? Or is this like... No, no. I don't know any of the Fantastic Beasts stuff. I where, certainly don't Where either. they make you know, that relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. and make them lovers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just know... The other books, yeah. which I believe in that in that in those books, he has a fight with Grimwald. His sister dies somewhere in that fight, um, and that's when he starts to be not such an arrogant douchebag. 
Mm. Which is an important character development. Even even your wizened old teacher can have character development. Sometimes that is in them well, that's changing their character, now. and then sometimes that is just learning things about their character, like with that. I should I, But also, what if, like... What if people have never heard Harry Potter before? I better read how he... Read, I'll read ooh, how the absolutely. book describes him. Yeah, read that. He was tall, thin, and very old, judging by the silver of his hair and beard, which were both long enough to tuck into his belt. He was wearing long robes, a purple cloak that swept the ground... Purple, there it is. And high, he- and high-heeled buckled boots. His blue eyes were light, bright, and sparkling behind half-moon spectacles, and his nose was very long and crooked, as though it had been broken at least twice. This man's name was Albus Dumbledore. I love that even the robes are purple. Like, I guess that's probably where I get that image from. Also, just like... I guess like the the Fantasia robes, yeah, purple. You know, purple's a magical color. It, yeah, it also is a really good. Yeah. Very much so. But um, can I read his moniker? Yes. In the letter that Harry gets from the Hogwarts school, it's just funny. Um, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Headmaster Albus Dumbledore, Order of Merlin, First Class, Grand Sorcerer, Chief Warlock, Supreme Magwump, International Confederation of Wizards. Heavens. Quite a signature. Yes. Quite a signature. <laughs> Just funny. But yeah, as far as like the the wand undercutting his power, that is interesting. Because I mean I think that wands are wands have a really cool um, role in the whole magic system mm-hmm. of Harry Potter, so I think that's kind of okay. It's, it's never really expressed how a wand maybe I'd have to go back and reread. But to me, it, I never really understood how a wand was important mm. to casting magic. I understand that like spells exist, and you have to learn them and learn the specific motions in order for them to function correctly. And you have to have a wand with a made out of a specific wood with a magical component to it. But the function of of because I know that before wizards enter the school, as children, they cause magical events and mm. occurrences. Without wands. Without wands. Do we get a lot of depictions, at least in the, in, the, in the regular series, I don't know if it happens in Fantastic Beasts, but do we get a lot of depictions of like people doing magic without wands? Um, Almost any? I... Can't say for certain. I know that we don't see a lot of like young kids in the first place, right? That Dumbledore's sister was a girl who was unable to control the magical occurrences that she made, mm-hmm. and she would do that frequently and cause odd things to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually is what Magical Beasts is about: is about people who who have that capacity. Oh, okay. Because yeah, that's that's an interesting part of the lore to explore. And if we, you know, if I haven't if I haven't read Fantastic Beasts and you haven't read Fantastic Beasts, and it's a big part of that, then I would almost feel a little bit bad speaking on it mm-hmm. because I don't want to say anything like super, you know, incorrect. But um, I don't know. It's kind of I like the function mm-hmm. that the wands have in like the narrative. Like it's cool that every you know every kid kind of gets their 
wand and sometimes it's like a hand-me-down right but then yes then like trying to buy a new wand because you're like the first wizard in your family is like a big deal Mm -hmm. um it's kind of cool it's like a family car or something yeah i think um it's it's another one of those really grounding elements of harry potter that makes it so that you know appeal to kids like a lot more it feels very real iconic imagery but the only wand i can actually picture in my head is dumbledore's because I know what that elder one looks like. Describe it to me. It's a stick. Yes. <laughs> with like uh, egg-shaped lumps in it every every couple That's right. inches. Okay. Yeah, I've seen people with little props of that. Yes. It's fun stuff. That's the one I I I know. And then I think Harry's looks like a stick. <laughs> With a leather grip and then like a twist around it. That's right. Something spiraling up it. That's like when I picture a wizard wand from Harry Potter, that's what I picture. Mm-hmm. Or in the other one. Kind of reminds me of like the lightsaber. That's what, exactly really what I was thinking about. Like my, my ability to think about wands is equivalent to my ability to remember lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Like I know what Anakin's look like mm-hmm. because it was Luke's first lightsaber as mm-hmm. well. And it's got that weird angle on the end of it. Yep, and it's got like like kind of like the black sort of fans near the bottom of the, yes. the hilt, right? Or Count Dooku's lightsaber, obviously super recognizable because it's like a pistol hilt. Oh, dude, because he that used the sick. second fighting style. Yep. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, lightsabers, dope. Wands, dope. I like any sort of thing where it's like your characters have a, especially when we're talking about films, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about movies and or being visual whether that's graphic novels or whatever. definitely would not translate as well in, in literature. Yeah, not remotely. I mean, if it's you were maybe... Super, it's super interesting to hear, like, the wand specifications mm-hmm. and what the wands look like and what's inside of them. That's super cool. But trying to hold an image of somebody describing a stick to you mm-hmm. is... is complex that's hard to do probably yeah, something hard to make that interesting oh cool it's got a phoenix feather in it all right yeah. let's, let's keep going yeah you probably don't want to stick on it for too long as far as like the lightsabers go i mean count dooku's fighting style changes because of his lightsaber or like he's dependent on like the shape of his lightsaber so like that's easy to depict if you're doing mm-hmm. action scenes but trying to describe the difference between like obi-wan's and anakin's lightsabers i would get super bored in the no- in a novel but when it shows up in like movies mm-hmm. very cool very cool and of course the colors that's easy to use in a writing sense like the, the different colors of lightsabers would be easy to portray what are we talking about or oh man <laughs> i know i know anyway we're talking, wizards, about, dumbledore. We're talking about dumbledore being a stereotype why he looks so old and why he's white i think it's maybe not that it really is just like He's so similar to Gandalf to me that I kind of see them as filling the same role. Um, and that kind of sets me up to to enjoy... I, I guess I enjoy when that sort of... Um, when that's subverted a lot more. Because I had those two really strong examples from when well, I was young. And it's like, you couldn't give me another strong example of this like wizard that's old and wise that isn't ironic or complicated in some way, that would be better than one of those. Well, as they function in the story, right? Mm -hmm. They're old. uh, They have all the knowledge Mm -hmm. and the people interacting beneath them are acting upon their knowledge, sort of um, not knowing it fully or 
They seem to, you know, they garner a lot of trust from their... Yes. Yeah. Like, the, the other characters trust them immensely. Yeah. I mean, I think but that's... They that's have all the information, and then they direct the main characters, or the other cast of characters, at mm-hmm. least. And they therefore have a lot of power over, I guess, the narrative and the way <laughs> the plot goes. They have a lot of narrative power. Um, we wouldn't have had Bilbo or Frodo without Gandalf. Yes. Right. And uh, we wouldn't have, the like, Harry would wouldn't have, have found... The destroyed without Gandalf. Yeah. I mean, and I guess you could say that about any character in Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's kind of the crux of it, is that, like, the whole Fellowship has their own, like, role to play throughout the series, right? But Harry wouldn't have known that he needed to die without Dumbledore. Yeah, in addition to, like, a hundred things before that that Harry wouldn't have known about, you know. I mean, he probably wouldn't have known about it. That's true. Harry's pretty resourceful, but... I feel like Dumbledore Did helps he him find out the Horcrux things? No, he was given hints by a false Mad-Eye Moody, right? That's a... I'm drawing a blank on that. Alright, I have no clue. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. How did I Harry find out that. about Horcruxes? Did Hermione read it in a book? Tweet at me. Or we could use Google, and. but also tweet at us. <laughs> for, this, for this conversation, us talking about old cogity wizards... Not important. Mm-hmm. The point if is, you think it's important, please tweet at us. Absolutely. But the point is, wizards that kind of follow that really, like, really typical old wise man knows a lot, has a lot of narrative pull. That has been done so well with Gandalf and Dumbledore that it's hard to just do that, play that straight without it being really cliche. Mm hmm. So I'm curious what your other examples are. All right. Well, the next example is going to be the bard from Sea of Trolls. Okay. So we're getting into ones that I'm unfamiliar with. I'd like to hear this. Well, we talked about this series earlier. Which one was it? It was the Sea of Trolls. It's a... I mean, like, like what, what, what capacity did we talk about it? I mean, make sure. Nancy Farmer. Yeah, it's by Nancy Farmer. Um, it is the one with the sheep and wolves game. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Now, there is a... Well, let me just read it. Mm-hmm. That night, Jack hurled in his blankets listening to the to father and the bard discuss his future. He had, didn't really expect the old man to come, but at nightfall, the bard had shown up, dressed in a thick white cloak and leaning on a blackened ash wood staff. He looked extremely impressive with his white beard blowing in the wind. Father invited him in and turned Jack out of his seat by the fire. That is the... Didn't describe his eyes this time. No, did not describe his eyes. I don't think he ever gets like a proper like um, block description, but he... It's just like spread throughout the yeah, book. Yes, he did. So, what do you can you think of like any other fetching examples of his appearance, or is it really just like yeah, he's a dude? No, right for the first two chapters, he's a person, and then he flees into the body of a crow, and then for the rest of the book, he's a crow. Oh, that's cool. It is supposed so, but also like yeah, like we just know that he's like this guy is a white beard type of wizard. Um, what kind of what does he? What purpose does he serve in the narrative? In the narrative, he apprentices Jack. He teaches Jack how to become a bard, mm. which they're really interesting. Um, they're still wizards, mm-hmm. 
essentially, but they play music and sing to do magic. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's like kind of D&D type bard almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Magically, magically inclined music. Um, I mean, that's kind of in itself, that's kind of a cool twist. And this book is kind of older, isn't it? I don't think so. No? Okay. Sorry, maybe I was mistaken. But um, but still, I mean, he's got the, the teaching role. Mm-hmm. Do you think anything about it, about his portrayal, like made him stand out like more than Dumbledore or Gandalf? I mean, I know that that's a really Not difficult comparison to hold up to. Not, Not really. at all. Except that he was a crow. Right. And they call, and the, and the berserkers call him Dragon Tongue because one time he melted ice. <laughs> <laughs> with his singing or just? I know, with, with fire his that he called with his staff. Oh, he's got a staff too. Is it a long gnarled staff? He, I just read it. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was so focused on the beard. White cloak and leaning on a blackened Ashwood staff. Ashwood staff. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah, I mean, he... I don't know. I don't know. He... Not really. When he is in the story as a character, he's, he pretty much knows everything. He knows mm-hmm. everything that's going on um, during an attack from the Berserkers and an angry troll nightmare who attacks him in his sleep. Right after he gives away his his magical amulet that protects him mm-hmm. to to the main character, uh, he gets attacked in his sleep and has to flee his body into the body of a crow. Mm-hmm. And then that's where he remains for the rest yeah. of the I mean, it certainly doesn't sound like they were trying to do anything subversive, I guess. But also, does he play as big a role as like Gandalf and Dumbledore do? Because those two are really significant in their stories. I would say not quite as well. Mm-hmm. Because Jack is somewhat retracing his steps and, and using his influence to interact with characters, but not really. He kind of just performs his role as a teacher, and then once Jack is decently suited, he kind of lets Jack do. And his then thing. in the next book, he's just like, "Hey." Why don't you stay here? I'm going to go stay with this king guy who I get along with. And then he leaves, and then all the action happens, and he comes back, and he's like, wow, you fucked this up, huh? <laughs> and then he leaves again. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a little bit more hands-off than our other examples. A lot more hands-off. Yeah. A lot more hands-off. That's kind of fine, then. I mean, you know, not that I'm trying to make a value judgment in the first place. But Why they got to be old white dudes with long white beards? I'm so sick of it. I mean, because it's easy, right? Because it's easy to how do. Is it, okay, but how... Yeah, sure, it's easy. But it's also easy just to make a, like, gnarled old man with no beard. It's true. You could just have no beard. Who just says crazy-ass shit. And, then and you, knows a lot of things. You listen to him once, and, the, and then it almost ruins your entire life. And you come back to him, and you're like, dude, I'm never listening to you again. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's how the book ends. I mean, yeah. There are, there are so many other ways to do wizards, because really the only... Like, the only fundamental principle of them is they use magic. Mm-hmm. And if you look at just anybody's D&D characters that are playing as a wizard or a sorcerer or a warlock, you'll see tons of examples of that one fundamental thing being used for 
crazy creative ideas, right? So why why do you need to have the wizened white guy with the beard and the staff that's specifically made out of ash wood? Like, do we need that again? I guess it does depend on your story. If you're just trying to fall back on, if I call upon this trope, like the reader will immediately know people what kind of recognize this is. it. It feels right because old people know. Okay, but here's the thing, man. Mm. Old people never know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't understand. In fantasy, though, old equals smart. Yeah, well... Almost, it, almost no, always. No, old equals wise, but they sure as hell don't have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. They're just like, oh! Well, you, not in the real world, but in fantasy worlds, it feels like it most of the time. Yeah, but... Right? I mean, that's not accurate, though. No, it's really not. I mean, it would be interesting to see a wizard... I mean, I'm sure there are tons of stories that do this, so I'm not going to pretend that, like, this is some crazy original idea. But a wizard who's, like, old and, like, all of his knowledge on magic is, like, super outdated and he doesn't really know what's going on with current events? <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love that. I mean, that's kind of our next example. Really? Which uh, which book? Uh, it's the... See- it's a season of storms. It's The Witcher book eight, but it it happens mm. somewhere between I think. In the okay, I'm not done with the Witcher series. Okay, but all the books. I'm halfway through the Witcher series. I have not been reading the books in order of release. I've been reading them, in, the story order. Like the timeline. Yeah, timeline-wise. Okay. So, this book, in the timeline, is right before The Blood of Elves. It's by Andrei... Sikowski? Sikowski? I believe that's as close as I'm going to get. Grandmaster Orderland and his closest collaborators. You will be introduced later. The servants will show you to your quarters. You may refresh yourself after your journey. Rest. We'll send for you soon. Geralt pondered. He recalled everything he had ever heard about Grandmaster Orland, who was, as general consensus had it, a living legend. Orderland was a living legend, a person who had rendered extraordinary service to the magic arts. His obsession was the popularization of magic. Unlike the majority of sorcerers, he thought that the benefits and advantages deriving from supernatural powers ought to be a common good and serve to strengthen universal prosperity, comfort, and general bliss. It was Ordolan's dream that everybody ought to, ought to have guaranteed free access to magical elixirs and medicaments. Magical amulets, talismans, and every kind of artifact ought to be universally and freely, freely available. Telepathy, telekinet telekinesis, teleportation, and telecommunication ought to be the privilege of every citizen. In order to achieve that, Ordolan was endlessly coming up with things, meaning inventions. Yeah, meaning inventions. Just some, just as legendary as him, he himself. Reality painfully challenged the venerable sorcerer's fantasies. None of his inventions intended to popularize and democratize magic, moved beyond the prototype phase. Everything that Ordolan thought of, and what in principle ought to have been simple, turned out to be horrendously complicated. Everything that was meant to be mass-produced turned out to be devilishly expensive, but Ordolan didn't lose heart, and instead of discouraging him, the fiascos aroused him to greater efforts, leading him to further fiascos. It was suspected, 
although naturally this never dawned on Ordolin himself, that the cause of the inventor's failures was often sheer sabotage. It wasn't caused by, well, not just by the simple envy of the sorcerer's brotherhood, the reluctance to popularize the art of magic, which sorcerers and sorceresses preferred to see in the hands of the elite, i.e. their own, the fears were more about the inventor's inventions of a military and lethal nature. And the fears were justified. Like every inventor, Ordolin had phases of fascination with explosive and flammable materials, siege catapults, armored chariots, crude firearms, sticks that hit by themselves, and poisonous gases. Universal peace among nations is a condition of prosperity, and the old man tried to prove and prove and peace is achieved by arming oneself. The most certain method of preventing wars is to have a terrible weapon as a deterrent. The more terrible it is, the more enduring and certain the peace. Because Ordolin wasn't accustomed to listening to arguments, saboteurs who tor torpedoed his dangerous inventions were hidden among his inventing team. And none of these inventions saw the light of day. An exception was a notorious missile hurler. The subject of numerous anecdotes. It was a kind of telekinetic arbalist with a large container for lead missiles. This missile hurler, as the name suggested, was meant to throw missiles at a target in a whole series. The prototype made it out of Risberg's walls, astonishingly, and it was even tested in some skirmish or, an, or other. With pitiful results, however, the artillerymen using the, the invention, when asked about the weapon's usefulness, apparently said that the missile hurler was like his mother-in-law. Heavy, ugly, totally useless, and fit, fit to be taken and thrown in the river. The old sorcerer wasn't upset when this was relayed to him. The weapon was a toy, he was said to have declared, and he already had many more advanced projects on his drawing board, capable of mass destruction. He, Ordolin, would give humanity the benefit of peace, even if it would first be necessary to destroy half of it. That's uh, what he does, and now I'll read on how he looks. Ordolin's appearance didn't surprise Geralt. It was believed that he was the world's oldest living sorcerer. Perhaps that was really true, perhaps not, but the fact remained that Ordolin was the oldest looking sorcerer. This was strange insofar as Ordolin was the inventor of the celebrated Mandra Mandrake decoction, an elixir used by sorcerers in order to arrest the aging process. Ordolin himself, when he had finally developed a reliable acting formula for the magical liquid, didn't gain much benefit from it, because by then he was quite advanced in age. The elixir prevented aging, but by no means rejuvenated. For which reasons, Ordolin too, although he had used the remedy for a long time, continued to look like an old codger. Particularly when compared to his confraters, venerable sorcerers who resembled men in their prime of life, venerable sorcerers who resembled men in the prime of life, and his consorts, world-weary sorceresses who looked like maids. The sorceresses bursting with youth and charm and the slightly gray-haired sorcerers whose real dates of birth had vanished into the mists of time jealously guarded the secrets of Ordolan's elixir and some sometimes quite simply even denied its existence. Meanwhile, they kept Ordolan convinced that the elixir was generally available. 
owing to which humanity was practically immortal and consequently absolutely happy. That's it. So they like wait, so they were telling him that his that his like immortality elixir was being like mass produced? Yeah. Wouldn't he find out in like twenty years that that wasn't no, true? No, he's just he lives at the he lives at the school because oh, he's an right. old bastard yeah. that doesn't have his finger on the pulse of society. He knows mm. shit. I really like like what they're doing with with his character and that he's like actually kind of foolish. Yeah, that's great. I mean, like he doesn't even come off to me as particularly wise. He just knows magic really well. Yeah. Also, just generally, like his whole shtick of like trying to like democratize magic, fucking dope. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, a lot. And well, I think the it fact also... that he's doing it by creating weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you like that as well? I, I'm not a big fan of that part of it, but... Um, it's the most exciting part. Gotta break some eggs, you know. No, but I mean, ultimately, what I find interesting about that is the other examples that we've talked about, these, these guys are tutors to our main character... Right, like mm-hmm. the, you know, the Gandalf and Dumbledore, tutors to our main character tend to treat our main character with particular interest. And here we have a guy who like is really just trying to make magic stuff for everybody, right? Kind Which of, yeah, kind and of cool, and just is trying to use the main character to uh, kill a kill a guy. <laughs> which is much more Witcher than uh, yeah, which fits very well in the Witcher, of course. But um, still, he's a uh, Old gray-haired sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Does it include a beard? I don't think he's ever prescribed a beard, but but he's an old guy. Yeah, he's an old guy. I mean, he's. I think it's. I don't remember if it was mentioned in The Witcher or if it was mentioned in another fantasy theory series that I was thinking that I've read maybe, but um, like men, like male wizards, choose to look somewhat older because That's they want what, yeah, to appear just talk, wise. I just talked about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so male wizards like want to appear older because that just is associated with wisdom like and intelligence. Just, just as they're hitting gray hair. That's yes. and then women And then like, women want to appear young and beautiful because that is what societally is most uh most attractive for them or like most uh makes them more valuable. Yeah. So I I mean it, that does kind of directly refer to the whole like old wizards thing, you know? It's like they're portrayed that way because it makes them look smarter or wiser. Yeah, makes them more respected. Mm-hmm. But by who though? Because wizards in the Witcher world are just kind of dick bags that don't give a shit about anybody except what their colleagues think. Yeah, but I mean, don't they have to like make a lot of deals with royalty and stuff and with various politicians? I suppose and stuff? when I'm it comes, sure happens a lot. In the I Witcher. suppose yes, when it comes to the upper class. Yeah, like they're still, you know, they still have to put on a show for people. In which case they want to be as they want to appear as attractive as possible, as a uh, as valuable as possible. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as with all things that The Witcher does, it's a lot more complicated than that, which is cool. Do you want me to tell you about the circumstance surrounding him and why Geralt is there at sure. the, the call? Okay, yeah. Geralt gets called to the uh, to the Rissin Academy. To kill a, there's a mage there that is summoning demons, Hmm. and they think that there's a demon on the loose, but what Geralt comes to find out is that one of the sorcerers is summoning a demon and letting it enter his own body and then killing people that way, Hmm. but then 
it, it, what actually is happening is a guy who is sucking the old guy's dick mm. is just a psychopath. And it's oh. just killing people. Just killing people. Just, just killing people for fun. No and demons Bisecting people. And well, he does have, like, massive stinky trolls with him. Oh, okay. Well, not trolls. I think they're breeds. They're somewhere between a troll and a... Gosh, I don't know Basically, what they are. Basically, he's got big bruisers with him. Yes. He's yeah. got big bruisers with he's him. doing serial And a hunchback stuff. with a crossbow. And he's just murdering villages. Huh. Interesting. I mean, again, like that's that's all very Witcher. That's the sort of situation that would never play into Harry Potter, mm-hmm. really. I mean, not in that exact way, anyway. And then that sort of like character or wizard that's like that's made a bunch of weapons of mass destruction and that nobody trusts because he does that. I mean, that could play out in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but um, the way that it's done in that feels yeah feels like the Witcher fits the world. It's a lot darker. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's an example of like, that does have something else going on that Gandalf and Dumbledore don't, that I think makes it even better. This is a very good example of adopting a trope and transferring it into your own world in a way that it makes sense. Because they're not even unique, but doing something like imaginative and fun with it. Say the, the... Wizard that fits his world the least and interacts with it like inconsistently would be the bard. Just because I feel like he has a place in that world, but he interacts with people in such a background capacity that he never feels like fully realized. Mm-hmm. Like, you and, feel like maybe there's more potential to him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dumbledore is very a part of that story and very Huge. a part of that world. Gandalf is the same way. Literally irreplaceable. This guy is maybe not a part of the story. Not, I mean, maybe not a major part of the story. Maybe not a, a not a major part of the whole. series, but he's a major part of this book in particular, and he and feels he a very, very much a part of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 actually, he's got pretty like broad-reaching uh, implications too. If he made that elixir that makes all the sorcerers and sorceresses young or you know stay their same age that's like a pretty big part of the witcher's lore and it also explains why all of the like it this book for me explains why the sorcerers why Geralt treats wizards the way he does and why sort like sorcerers treat Geralt the way they do so describe that to me because all I know is that that Geralt fucks sorceresses like that's kind of well he fucks sorceresses and then sorcerers dislike him and treat him poorly and then one time he talks shit to a uh, sorcerer and then ends up basically just talking shit to him that's pretty much it Mm. is this why he hates portals is this part of why he hates portals no he hates portals because he was around when portals were invented and he's seen like the the blood stains and the half and the oh, them gotcha. cutting people in half and what happens when they go wrong <laughs> okay and they make him feel funny that's mm-hmm. why he hates portals but also like generally if i was going to mistrust magic users in any of these worlds the witcher 100 percent. oh of course they're so like incompetent in the witcher and they're so like i guess uh the, like arrogant. they just have so yeah they're arrogant there's just hubris in everything mm-hmm. they do but they have to um, go to school and 
from what I'm reading now about the magic system in The Witcher, it's pretty painful, pretty rigorous to get competent at. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they are competent in an aspect of that world, but... But they fuck things up, like, they're oh, serial yeah. fuck-ups, really. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is really, really awesome. Like, I, again, I think that's... Mm -hmm. It's a cool way of doing it. Makes it a lot more fun. Makes it so you can have a lot of interesting narrative threads. Um, especially given that it's, you know, it, you know, unlike Harry Potter, it's in a world where not everything is about the magic, you know? Quite mm -hmm. often it's about the monsters, which are related to the magic, but it's not like... Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like, there's all this sorcerer stuff going on, but then there's also, like, very realistic medieval warfare going and on. And a very intense prophecy. Yes. And monster hunting and very normal villages and villagers. Mm -hmm. And then there's all this sorcerer stuff on the side that is super dangerous, super well portrayed. Yeah. What do you think about um, a lot of these wizards acting in, I think, what game? Oh, Dumbledorf. Dumbledorf? Dumbledore. <laughs> I think I got some Gandalf in there. Yeah, they're kind of, you know, they run together. Dumbledorf. He's just a really short one. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore is a teacher. Mm -hmm. He's the head of a school. Uh, the bard is ha takes on a, an apprentice. And Ortland is the head of a school. Mm-hmm. What do you think that plays into? I mean, a lot of, you, you know, those magic systems, unlike Lord of the Rings, those magic systems do have, like, a a teaching aspect to them, and you kind of have to learn mm -hmm. magic, and it's like, like a curriculum to learn magic. Whereas Gandalf's whole thing is it's it's innate, right? I mean, it's part of his race that he is. Right? Yeah. Um, well, he's... Yes. Part of whatever sort of being My he art. is. Yeah, yeah like just magically in tune. I don't know if there's any learning involved, really. I mean, I don't think that we know enough about... I don't know enough about Gandalf. Well, of course, say, yeah, right? I don't know enough. There's a lot of lore behind Gandalf that I'm not going to know. But mm -hmm. um, I think it really depends on your setting work. If you're playing in a setting that um, that the magic is like either a really hard system or a really like well-explored system with a lot of rules and a lot of... like what can go, like, 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 examples of what can go wrong with it and examples of, like, how it fits into the rest of, like, everyone's lifestyles, then that's the kind of world where it does make sense to have a whole teaching system behind it because, yeah, how do these people learn how to cast magic? How do they learn how to control magic? If you're using a much more classic wizard definition where it is just, like, this man can do spooky magic things and we don't know why and it's not exactly, we're not sure what all he can do, like, if it's much more mysterious magic and it's uh, veiled in a certain way, then it doesn't really... You don't need teachers. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have a teacher wizard. You still can, right? But you don't need that. See, so the type of wizard and this type of structure surrounding magic just depends on the type of magic you choose for your universe. So let's talk about, like, for example, the Force in Star Wars. Okay. Specifically in the original trilogy, that's the sort of thing where you do have a teacher character and it's not really certain everything that he can do. We're talking about Obi-Wan or Yoda. 
mm-hmm. just teaching Luke the Force. Like, that's the kind of magic that I'm talking about where it's pretty nebulous. Now, with the extended universe, with the prequels, it, become a, it became a lot more... Is there an, another example of an innate magic like Gandalf? That you besides Star Wars that I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I have no idea how Merlin learned his magic. I mean, like, anything as old as Arthurian legends, that's absolutely the case. Because that's, from my understanding, having read Arthurian legends and, like, you know, read various mythologies, that's how magic was traditionally treated. Like, the whole hard magic systems thing is probably, like, the last... You know, don't quote me on this, but like probably like the last hundred years, that's mm-hmm. been a thing. Before that, magic was unknowable, unseen forces that could be used for plot and also just were generally to give characters an air of mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but anymore, most people use hard magic systems um, and use like very well explained magic, like because I think that that's very appealing for readers. Um, it's obviously very fun to read, like when you're. Because everyone asks the question of like, well, hey, if they have magic to make themselves not age, then how does that affect their society? Like, we want to know yeah. that kind of stuff. Whereas, I don't think people are asking that question with Gandalf, because... He looks old. Yeah, well, that, that's a part of it too, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, nobody's... In, in my experience with Lord of the Rings, like, I wasn't really asking, how does having this magic affect the society of the world? Like, because I was more, that's not really the focus of Lord of the Rings. And just because it's not a widespread feature mm-hmm. to a bunch of people, this is, there's specific schools centered around it. So mm-hmm. there's a big portion of the society doing it. When it's just one character doing it, it's more... And honestly, that could have been why the prequels of Star Wars kind of changed the tone with the Force. Because they were like, well, now we have a whole society of Jedi, and they like I mean, they live did. amongst everybody else, and they have like like a monastery. So now we do have to figure out how this whole Force thing works, and like how it affects their world. Have to explore it more, because there's hundreds of them now. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in the originals... Tell Anakin. Yeah, of course, Tell Anakin did what he did, right? That whole deal. But, um, I don't know, I guess I'm particularly reverent of that kind of magic just because I think it's really fun and, um, I think it's, I just like the mystery of it. I think when, you know, this is just a personal taste thing, so Mm -hmm. don't take it too far, but, like, when magic gets explained too much and explored too much, it gets to the point where it just is not very exciting to me anymore. I, no, I completely understand when you say that because I think of systems like in the Trader Sun Cycle... That it's just, I can picture it, and I can take the time to picture it, but it's still confusing the images of somebody going into their head, speaking words, opening different doors, arranging patterns in their brain to, to, to enact a physical spell. Or It's just... It's a lot of it's layers. It's kind of convoluted, mm. and it can bog down action, and it just... If somebody can say a word and, and make a motion with their hand, that's a lot more simple, and I can see the results a lot. Yeah, it's easier to put on the page, and yeah. it's easier to read, but, I guess, maybe. But another layer to that is, like, I want to understand the system, and I yeah. want to feel like, I want to be able to read this and be like, yes, this makes sense. The this way is this a is- huge part of, like, when you're writing fantasy, especially mm-hmm. now. 
that is what most people want. Mm-hmm. Like we like we do want the explanations on how stuff works. We are gonna have questions, and we'd love to hear like what the writer says about them. So mm-hmm. like, having a much more clearly defined magic system is super sought after now. In fact, I think you would have a hard time writing a fantasy novel in twenty twenty one that. That was nebulous and unknown and, you know, like that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff fits a lot better into like literary, like magical realism and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of stuff that I happen to like. Um, But it's also not something that I like, like will then hold up a fantasy series. I'm like, I like this less because it's got, because the magic system is explained really well. Like, no, Mm -hmm. if it does it well, it's cool. Um, It's just multiple ways of you know, accomplishing a really broad umbrella topic, like how do you portray magic? How do you portray magic users? What do they do with the world? There's a lot of different answers. So what we specified, though, is that your old, rickety head of society, head of, head of, in the now, gray-bearded bastards, they're, the way they interact with your story is directly tied to the system of magic that you use or that you choose for your world. Yeah, exactly. Like, here's a, this is just an awesome example that I've been wanting to talk about is just Wizards in, in Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. I love the Wizards in Adventure Time. So, like, because it's really lighthearted and it kind of is a we do whatever we want with it. It's not really clearly defined most of the time. There's a bunch of magic items in Adventure Time that are just like throwaway gags and you're like, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? What is that? The Ice King, for example, like, you know that you can do ice, but he does a lot of different stuff with ice, and it doesn't really matter because it's mostly for gags, and he's just somebody to dunk on most of the time mm-hmm. who happens to have a fun backstory. I think that that's, like, maybe one of my favorite systems of, like, wizards, where it's, like, there's just a wizard for everything, and they all... They aren't super explored. Maybe they'll get an episode at some point, but it's not, like... I, I don't know. I just really like it. I think it's really cute. It's a kind of a, a... To make fun of the cliche. It's, yeah. It's constantly making fun of cliches. I mean, like, Ice King is your standard old man wizard stereotype, but he's he's an idiot. Um, he's, well, they're all, all... They're... Okay, maybe not Gandalf. Hmm. But they're all idiots. They're all weird and quirky. They're all... They all have, like really odd eccentricities mm-hmm. like why is he eating licorice twists or whatever mm-hmm. and but ice king is played up to an extreme of degree. course of i course mean to the, you know like he actually doesn't even feel wise in any way and he's um he's well, sometimes super he feels wise i guess sometimes he's got some wisdom to him but it's always like ironic yeah ironic, you know definitely and he's you know like he's he's really creepy he's the bad guy despite being like an old you know, an old wizard that lives in a tower by himself, like, I think he's, yeah, he's just one of my favorite wizards, and it's a lot of the stuff in that, a lot of the magic in that, it's kind of the type of system I'm talking about, where it's really just, it's there, it's not explained super well, you can use it for a lot of different things, there's a lot of mystery behind it, yeah, I don't know, there's just, there's a lot of ways to approach it, and they don't all have to be, like, really, um, they don't all have to be, you don't. You maybe don't need to ask yourself all the questions of how does this fit into this? How does this relate to this part of society and culture? Mm-hmm. Depending on your setting. Would you agree with that? I I think I agree, but I don't know. They are. 
directly it's it's just how many characters you choose to have in your setting at that point you know how many different interactions you choose to have mm -hmm. yeah how long is your story going to be how deep are you going to get into your world in this one book that you're writing are you going to write a whole series and how many wizard characters are you going to encounter in that time mm -hmm. yeah that does kind of if you have things. a handful of characters and they're not in a place where they're going to interact with society and towns then you can have a wizard pretty loosely explained mm -hmm. and loosely defined but if you're going to have a whole society of them mm -hmm. then you probably are going to have to start thinking about how does this interact how do they how are they seen by other people mm -hmm. how is yeah this is something that i encountered in my tabletop campaigns and that the whole like you know there's a whole magic using race and for a while, nobody, none of my players ever chose to play them. Mm -hmm. So I was able to kind of play loose with the rules on them because that was what I liked doing. So like whenever it was sort of appealing to the narrative, some magic stuff would happen, right? Well, then I finally had somebody want to play one. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the systems got a lot more rigid things got i had to explain things a lot better i had to get a lot more granular and i had to like make it affect the the society that the campaign was playing out in a lot more because now all of a sudden you do need to describe this stuff to somebody i mean especially since it's interactive i if he was going to be able to use all this magic that he supposedly has he as a player needs to understand it and i as a dm have to understand have to what have the limitations are yeah, yeah. And so it's become this really cool, um, just a really cool experience for both of us of like, I'm learning a bunch of stuff about my world setting and he's learning about my world setting because it's his first campaign he's ever played, period, let alone in my, you know, mm -hmm. world. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think this kind of what I'm getting at is the more that you want your reader or player to interact with your magic users and your magic system the more you're gonna to have to explain things and the more you're gonna to have to think about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like if gandalf was the main character or was like narrated not even narrated? not even that i think that he i think that if there were more people like gandalf interacting with the mm -hmm. story then there like there would be more interactions in the mm -hmm. story and we would like Tolkien would have to flesh out those interactions more but because there's only one person interacting he never has to have conversations with people of equivalent abilities mm -hmm. he never has to like explain what he's doing yeah no, I mean the few times that he does are like Saruman and yeah and also like we're talking about the mainline series I mean I'm sure you know there's the I'm sure the magic system in Lord of the Rings is more explained in the Silmarillion. Oh, of course, of I've... course. Like we, we have not read the Silmarillion. I haven't read a lick of no. it. Um, but as far as just Lord of the Rings goes, things go pretty unexplained because we don't really need to know for the narrative, and Gandalf can kind of do what he mm -hmm. is doing. There's no other. There's not a lot of other major wizards, and all the other wizards in the story play the, the similar role of Gandalf, where they are just powerful and do some things and that's what we know about them yeah i don't know i guess we we came in here to talk about wizard stereotypes but we ended up just talking about magic systems in general
But I think it's well, indicative we'll of a whole trend. I think maybe uh, in a later trope we'll give Magic Systems a good old talking to, but I think they're definitely tied very closely to your old old wizard trope. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, if you have... Depending on how your magic system works, maybe it doesn't make sense to have that kind of wizard. Well, if you give somebody the heft of your knowledge in, in your world, then it makes sense that they would need to act uh, on, like act with that knowledge. Mm. So they, they act... What am I trying to say? They act wise and they act kind of aged. No, they just know what's going on because they are a member of that system and they mm. act according to that system, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we've come to a good conclusion. That yeah. uh, That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, you guys. Uh, if you have any feedback on our on our ranting or anything that we got wrong, feel free to hit us up on our Twitter at Tropes. And uh, also, if you want to be a part of our workshopping community or even just a part of our uh, our Discord community, our Patreon is now up and online. Um, besides that, look forward to seeing you guys in social media um, and just anywhere that you happen to find us online. And uh, look out for our next episode next Wednesday. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, guys.